We're going to look tonight at eternity sealed with a kiss. Turn with me, please, to the Psalms. Started in the Psalms this morning, and we were quite long this morning. Quite a big message. We covered about 4,000 years. We're not going to cover 4,000 years tonight. We covered about 4,000 years in our message this morning. I thank you for your, um, I thank you for your patience with me. It's greatly appreciated. I thank you for your attention and your attendance again this evening. It's greatly appreciated. This morning, some people are saying there was a lot in it. That's why you can go and look it over, watch it over again and again and again. It's to teach, it's to help you to know where we are in the days we live in. And some of us, even tonight, we'll touch on one or two things that are happening. But we want to look at Psalm 2, please. We're just going to lift out one verse, but keep your Bible open here. Before we will be looking at this psalm as we go along. Psalm number 2 and the last verses, number 12, we'll read that one. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Let us pray. Father, thank you for every person you've brought this evening. Father, we ask you tonight that you take your word, that you'd inscribe it in our hearts, that you would imprint it upon our minds. Father, help us not to rush into anything this evening, but we wait upon your Spirit's anointing. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And Father, without the Spirit's anointing, we are like tinkling cymbals and sounding brass, empty vessels that make plenty of noise, and nothing is fruitful or can happen. For you have said, Lord Jesus, without me, you can do nothing. In your grace and in your mercy tonight, in your loving kindness, we pray that you would anoint this man, this man of clay lips, Lord. Anoint him for your glory. Anoint him that you would be exalted, Lord. And help me this evening to break the bread of life and to divide it out that men and women may feed and feast and drink and be satisfied in Christ. We'll love you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish from the way. 
when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. A kiss. A kiss can mean different things even in different cultures. For example, a kiss can mean a lot. Say many words. A kiss can seal a moment. A kiss can also show the intention and the motive of a heart. A kiss is the expression of affection in many times and of love. A kiss. How you kiss your parents may be completely different to how you kiss your children. How you kiss your children will be completely different in the age they are at. And how you kiss your children is different how you kiss your spouse. A kiss is the expression of affection. A kiss is the expression of subjection, to be subjected to someone. A kiss is the expression of submission, where one would come and kiss a hand in submission. A kiss on the hand or the feet showed that person that you were bound to their lordship. Adam Clark, in his commentary, he writes these words. Kissing was the token of subjugation and friendship. Subjugation to show you're the subject to a king, subject to a lord, a subject to someone, and of course, shows friendship. A kiss is a sign of trust among equals. Romans 16 and 16. 1 Corinthians 16 and 20. 2 Corinthians 13 and 12. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 26. And 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14. All tell us to greet one another with an holy kiss. Now it's not our culture to do that. But notice the kisses and holy kiss. It is not for a man to kiss a woman who's not his wife. Or even worse, somebody else's. This is an holy kiss. It is a kiss, as it were, on the cheek. As a mark of love in Christ and fellowship and friendship. Kiss. One another with an holy kiss, not a kiss of, of smut. Not a kiss just to be close to a woman's cheek, brother or sister to a man. Greet one another with an holy kiss. You see, to God all things are pure in Christ. As long as they're in Christ. As long as they are in Christ. Psalm 2 and verse 12 says, Kiss the Son. The S-O-N. Kiss the Son. Lest he be angry. 
this is a verse of invitation. And it's a verse of warning. It's a verse of invitation to the man or to the woman who know not Christ to come and kiss him, as it were, with repentance. To kiss him with the seeking of mercy. To kiss him in subjection. To say, you are Lord and I acknowledge that. It is an invitation for the man or woman who do not know Christ and are lost and still in their sin to come, as it were, and to figuratively kiss Christ looking for forgiveness of sin. Kiss the Son. Didn't say kiss the pastor, thank the Lord. Or kiss the church. It doesn't say to kiss the denomination. For there and there you find your salvation. No, it's kiss the Son. Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Kiss the Son. Lest he be angry. So it is not only an invitation to kiss the Son. It is a warning of those who do not kiss the Son. And a man and a woman's eternity where you spend eternity will be sealed with a kiss. Eternity will be sealed with a kiss. To kiss him and to acknowledge him as Lord. To kiss him and to receive him as Savior. To kiss him and to be subject unto him Christ is your all and all and you're willing to bow the knee and to repent of your sin, to change your ways and to change your mind and your heart. Kiss the Son or not to kiss the Son and that eternity will be sealed with a kiss. We kiss him as our brother with an holy kiss. When I say that I love the Lord Jesus Christ, I say it in holiness, in purity. I love the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Friend, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I'm doing in saying that from my heart? I'm kissing him. Figuratively, I am kissing Christ. Kiss the Son. Lest he be angry. And all things are pure in Christ. In the mind and in the eyes of his father. So we kiss him in worship. And we kiss him in prayer. And we kiss him in seeking his face. Uh, We kiss the son. Lest he be angry. We kiss him as our kinsman. The one who came. To be like one of us. To die on the cross of Calvary. Our kinsman redeemer. Our goel. The one who came to hang and bleed and die on the cross and to shed his precious blood. Yeah, he he kissed me. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, says the Shulamite of Solomon. That's you and I with Christ. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. He kissed me first. 
Christ kissed me in the sense that he came all the way from glory and there he lived a life I couldn't live. And he kept God's law, which I couldn't keep. And he went to the cross and he paid my debt and yours in its fullness. And he first kissed me. And now all I want to do in return is to love him and to kiss him back. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. We kiss him as our king and as our sovereign Lord. We kiss him in holiness. We kiss him in adoration. We adore him. I adore him. I don't need a figurine, an idol. I don't need a statue to adore for adoration of Christ. To help me adore him. The Holy Ghost in me. The Holy Spirit shows me him in the scripture. And I adore him. I adore him. I love him. But I adore him. I'm in love with him. In the spirit. Have you kissed the son? Lest he be angry. Eternity sealed with a kiss. The psalmist in our psalm speaks of the nations and the rulers who hated Israel, who hates God's people. Psalm 2 and verse 1 says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a, a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Notice here, we're finding that there's an imagination in the heathen, in the ungodly. There's an imagination in the world. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? See the word imagine here, it's the word hogah. It means to meditate. The heathen meditate on how they hate Christ and his anointed. The Lord and his people. They meditate. They, it means to moan. To groan and moan within yourself. And it can be for the good or for the evil or the bad. It means to growl. It means to devise and to plot and to plan. And in fact, it gives the idea or the picture of a lion with its paws over its prey and its fangs on their throat. And another comes and it growls with anger. You won't touch my kill. You won't touch my kill. The heathen... The ungodly are like that with God's people. They are like that where they are ready, as it were, to sink in the fangs. For they imagine, they meditate, they growl, they devise and they plot and they plan evils in the world. Let me give you an idea of this word here, hogah, for imagine. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 it says... 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Notice the law of God, he says, you shall meditate on the word of God. The word of God isn't precious anymore to people. The word of God isn't precious anymore. Brother, sister, can I ask you, do you lift the word and read it? Do you meditate on it? Are you like the lion where you get the hold of it and you don't want to let it go because it's feeding you and it's like, back off, it's mine, I want to finish. Talked this morning of how John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation, started translating the scriptures so that the ploughboy in England with his base language could understand the readings. It was all Latin or it was Greek. They were the higher faluting sort of languages and English was the base language at the time and, uh, and there was no Bible and suddenly to have the Bible in the language they spoke, not only in the language they spoke but that they could understand it ignited something in them. John Huss, we told you this morning his name means goose. Here's something I didn't tell you this morning. When they were burning him at the stake, they looked at Huss and turned to his followers and they said, your goose has been cooked. That's where the saying is, your goose has been cooked comes from. Your goose has been cooked. And they burned him at the stake. These men... Like Martin Luther came along, John Calvin, Zwingli from Switzerland. We can go on and we can go on. They, they loved the word of God because it showed them Christ. And as it were, they, they were kissing the sun when they read it. Christ was centralized. There's many sermons today and you'll find it hard to find Christ. Many sermons today, and you'll find it hard to find Christ. When I'm writing my sermon, I find it hard not to keep Christ out of it. He jumps into every line, into every verse, into every sentence, into every thought. I'm kissing the sun as I'm writing on the page. I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. I adore you. I talked to a man just this week. Went to see him. Struggling. His faith and I sat and talked to him. He says, do you ever look back? He says, no. No, don't. Because if I look back, I see a man that was in dire need and in sin, dying without Christ. For if I look back, I see a man with addictions. He says, did you ever think that you would be a pastor? I says, no. Never thought I'd be a preacher. I never even thought I'd be a Christian, to be honest. But he knew different. 
He came for me and for you. Now none but Christ can satisfy. We sang it, didn't we? I love that verse. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord. But ah, the waters failed. And as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus found in thee. Christ in all the scriptures. Sermons without Christ. They mustn't be reading the word of God. For whenever I write, I see Christ through it all. And I see him coming to bleed and die. That somebody like me and like you might be saved. This word here, imagine, the heathen imagine, the heathen meditate, the heathen devise. Here's one for you. In Psalm 35 and verse 28 it says, My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. See the word speak, it's the same word, hagal, for imagine, the heathen imagine. Only it's used in the proper or the good sense. And here the psalmist is saying, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness. My tongue doesn't speak of anything I'm worth. My tongue doesn't speak of any merit that I have done. My tongue doesn't speak of anything that I can do. My tongue doesn't speak of anything righteous in me. For even Daniel said in the presence of the Lord, he says that my corruption is, my comeliness has turned into corruption in me. Everything I thought of me was good. In the presence of glory, I turned into corruption. Oh, friend, at that day when you stand before Christ, you don't speak of your righteousness, for our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So you might say, well, what will you speak of? I will speak of thy righteousness. I will speak of the righteousness of Christ. I will speak of his holiness. I'll speak of his purity and I'll speak of his beauty. I'll speak of his loveliness. I'll speak of him and say, I'm here because of Christ. I'm here because I believe with all my heart that Jesus paid my debt on Calvary's cross. I'm here because of the precious blood. I'm here because the blood still avails for me this very moment. I'll be able to say because his pure, his sinless and his spotless precious blood was poured out for me. For me. A guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner on the broad road to destruction. His precious blood was poured out for me. And that's the righteousness I will speak of. That he hath clothed me. He took my sin. He bore my sin in his own body on the tree. And there he gave me his righteousness. I'm far from perfect. But do you see when the Father looks at me, He sees me through the medium of the Son. He sees me through the medium of Christ. 
and all of my imperfections, the old devil, the accuser of the brethren may come up and say, look at Ken Davidson, look at him, look at his failures, look at his faults, look at him, look at his sinning. And the father will look at me and through his son and he will say to the old sooky foot, the devil, he will say, what sin I see no sin. See no sin. I will speak, I will meditate, I will imagine. That's all we can do is imagine. What will it be like in his glory? What will it be like when we see him? We can only imagine what that righteousness, that, that glory of God is like. Oh, but it's some sanctified imagination to think about it, isn't it? Something to think about. In Proverbs 24, and in verses 1 and 2, it says, Be not envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. There's enough there for another sermon, isn't it? Neither desire to be with evil men. Envious to be with evil men, neither desire to be with them. Notice, for their heart studieth destruction, and their lips Talk of mischief. Notice their, their heart, the center of their being. Their heart studieth. It's the same word, Hagah. Their heart imagines mischief. Their heart is looking at mischief, studying mischief. We live in a world today where there's so much happening it's hard to keep up with. It's accelerating. The G20 yesterday in Rome with the Pope. Joe Biden is at the COP26 in Glasgow today. He was at the G20 with Pope Francis yesterday. Here's the strange thing about it. It's about climate control. Today, And yet yesterday he was carted through Rome, just one of the visitors, with 86 cars. Just for him. With his own presidential car, so heavy laden with armor. Do you know how many miles per gallon it does? Remember climate change? Do you know how many miles per gallon it does? 3.7. See, they want you to live one way and they'll live another. Now in Glasgow today, do you know there's two cruise liners sitting in the dock? Two cruise liners sitting in the dock. Do you know what they're for? The engines are turning at a constant rate. The power, the two cruise liners, by the way, fossil fuels, Do you know what they're for? To house everyone who comes to the conference that look after every one of the leaders of the world. Two cruise liners alone. They imagine mischief. They think about it. They're like the lion with their teeth in. They've got the game plan on, you see, and and the the, the elitists are, are, are praying it with their money. 
Then they wonder, we are told, kiss the son lest he be angry. You know why? Because he's coming soon. Because he's coming soon. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 59, please, just for a few moments. Isaiah 59. Verse 1, please. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and they bring forth iniquity. They conceive mischief and they bring forth iniquity. Notice verse 3. They mutter perverseness, it says. This is the same idea of Hagal. They get it in their imagination and they mutter between themselves. They moan and they groan. And they form and devise a plan, God says. And he says, your iniquities are hiding my face from you. And you and I, the wee people, you and I, the little people, you and I, we find that God is angry. You see, the rain will fall on the just and the unjust. The nations of the world are against us and are being prepared for war. People are so blinded with and so traumatized and terrified and they're so programmed with the constant barbaraging of the the COVID crisis everywhere we go. Bombarding us on the left hand and on the right. And yet the nations of the world are saber-rattling where Britain has sent warships right through the, the, the southeast China Sea and China have threatened war with them. And Taiwan, they're ready because China flew fleets of, of aircraft over their airspace and they're sending other, Taiwan are sending planes up. And so then they're bringing their nuclear subs from, they're talking about leaving Scotland completely and the British government sending them in North Australia. They just know that. In Northern Australia, nuclear subs for China. Well, we hear about the Chinese virus, the Wuhan and all that sort of stuff. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe this was purposefully released. We can look at other nations of the world where the Israeli state is the center, the powder keg with the blue touch paper, as it were, where all things will, will start to come and compress around it. Did you know that they have 
what's known as the Samson option. The Israelis do. They have a nuclear, Samson option is they have a nuclear warhead aimed at every major city of the Arab states and nations all around them. All the Muslim dominated countries, they have a warhead for each and every one of them. A nuclear warhead, did you know that? And it's called the Samson option because Samson, when he was blinded and he regained strength and he put his hands on the pillars with all the Philistines, he asked the Lord for strength one more time. And when he pushed the pillars, he was killed, but all the Philistines were killed. So they call it the Samson option. And they say, if you gather around us, we will hit the Samson option button and we will maybe die ourselves and be destroyed, but we will put all down with us. And that's what's happening. They have the, 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 the Daniel option too, where they, they say they hold the right to hit a country or a nation, even if they believe they're going to attack them. That is the country attacking them. If they believe another country will attack them, they in themselves say, well, we hold the right to attack them first. All of these things are happening in our world and people don't seem to realize it because all we can see is COVID. What a smokescreen. Your, pill, your, your petrol, as I said this morning, has went up. They're saying it's the, the Irish sea border that's stopping and hindering the trade and the supermarkets can't get all their stuff in. I know that's not helping it, but listen, it's not just here. It's in the United States too. Both sides of the United States, both east and west coasts have thousands of ships. They can't get landed into their ports. You see, they're imagining a thing to bring the nation down. They're imagining, the heathen are imagining a vain thing to tear it down. To tear our nation down. Why do the heathen rage? Well, they rage because God has blessed us. And now they're the fifth column inside us. And they're looking now to destroy through their ways of imagination from the inside out. And only but for the grace of God and the sovereignty of God and our belief in that, we would have no hope. But God is still on the throne. The globalist elitists, the banking families and cartels are funding these lobbyist groups. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine the fiend thing? Their rage was against Yahweh. But their devices and their plans and their hatred and their open opposition will not win. And it will amount to little and even come to nothing. How do you know? Look at verse 4 of the psalm, please. Psalm 2, look at verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Who is it that's sitting in the heavens but the Lord himself? In the vain imaginations of man, God laughs at it. See, whenever all of these people and they shake the fist at God and they, they sit with all the letters behind their name like a big row of alphabet letters and they're telling us that God laughs at them. God laughs at them. 
It says here that he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Now notice this. The wonderful Christ. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Oh, the lamb on the throne. The lamb on the throne. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son this day. Have I begotten thee? Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Here's the things, brothers and sisters and friends. The Bible not only tells us here in Psalm 2 that the Lord will come, as it were, with a rod of iron, but it also tells us that the Lord will come with a rod of iron in Revelation 2 and 27. In Revelation 12 and verse 5. And in Revelation 19 and 15. It all says that Christ is coming. And he will rule them all with a rod of iron. Bill Gates. Elon Musk. You could go on, couldn't you? George Soros. The Bilderbergers. The Goldman Sachs, the Rothschilds, Christ is coming. Christ is coming. And he's coming with a rod of iron. Kiss the sun, friend, tonight. Kiss the sun lest he be angry with you. Kiss the sun lest he be angry with you. Pagan Rome had from the very outset of what we know as the birth that we know the church as from Acts chapter 2. The pagan Roman empire was against the word of God and against the Christ of God and the people of God. Nero, for example, in AD 64, he would, he would take some of the Christians and he would dip them in oil and tie them to a post and line them around the walls of the Colosseums and around his palace walls and set them on fire and there they would burn as torches all night so the Romans could make their way to their festivities. They would take your children All you would have to do is lift the sands, the salts, throw them in the fire and you'd see the sparks fly upward. And and as you do that, uh, that spark, you say, heal Caesar and renounce Christ as as the king. That's all you have to do. Your children would be safe. But rather they would take your children because you reject the, 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 uh, the Caesar and you love Christ. They take your children and they open an animal. You put your children alive into the animal and sew up the belly of the animal. You bring it into the middle of the Colosseum and the families are behind guard around the Colosseum and they let the lions loose. 
They go and start eating at the animal with the children alive, kicking and screaming and squealing inside while the lions are breaking their way through the flesh of the animal into them. And all they had to do was say, Hail Caesar! And yet they said no. They said, Christ is the king. They kissed the son. And today in 2021, there's Christians falling away because... Well, somebody didn't speak to them. There's Christians saying I'm backslidden because I got bored and had no fellowship for a month. Your fellowship should be with Christ. There's Christians falling away because they've got it hard at work. Because they've got it hard at home. And these people took their stand. And throughout the papal reign, they burned them at the stake like Hussa said earlier. They took them and they garroted them from the throat. They stretched them out on stakes and skinned them alive. Recant and believe in the transubstantiation of the mass and, and we'll release you. Recant. And the reformers says they would not recant because their faith was in Christ. And they kissed the sun. And believers, so called, can't take their stand for Christ and say no. To those they might well offend. Where are we? Where are we? Brothers and sisters, where are we? What has come? Do you know what's wrong with men and women? They fell out of love with the Savior. I would die for my wife and children. It wouldn't wouldn't cost me a thought. And I mean that. That's not puffing and bluffing and blowing. If I had to lay myself down for my wife and children, I would do it in a heartbeat to save them. I mean that. It cost me no thought. You know why? Because I love them. Because I love them. Do you know why they didn't say he'll seize her? Because they loved him. What's wrong with many Christians? They don't love the Lord. Like the church in Revelation chapter 2. The first church of the seven that are mentioned in chapter 2. And in chapter 3. The first church is the Ephesian church. And the risen Christ writes a letter to the Ephesian church. Tells them of all the wonderful things and the programs, as it were, that they have going. You're doing well. And he says, but I have somewhat against thee. I have something against you. What is it, Lord? You've left your first love. You've left your first love. You have stopped loving me like you did at the beginning. You see, by the time this is written, this is second and third generation Christians. The first generation filled with the Holy Ghost. 
in love with Christ. Second generation, maybe not so much. Third generation, it's dying off now, you see. And they hadn't been taught in the ways of the Lord the way they seen at the beginning. And now, oh, they'll do all the things and all the programs and, and they'll do it out of a nice enough heart. They mean the best, but Jesus says, that's all good, but I have something against thee. You've left your first love. You don't love me the way you used to. You don't love me the way you used to. Kiss the sun tonight, brother. Kiss the sun tonight, sister. Fall in love with him all over again. Fall in love with Christ all over again. I hear fireworks going off. The witches and the wizards are out. Fireworks going off. Well, you know what? May fireworks go off in your heart for Christ. Diocletian, he was a Roman emperor from 245 to 313 AD. And he persecuted the early Christians and he had a medal struck up with this inscription on it. Are you ready? It said around it, the name of Christianity being defeated. <laughs> That's what it said. The name of Christianity being defeated around the medal which he had struck up. Because he was persecuting them, he says, you know, I'll persecute them and I'll finish them off. Brothers and sisters, the enemy needs to learn. God always is left with a remnant. He always has a witness. And he always raises up his church, especially when it gets too hard. He comes in his grace. He comes by his spirit. And he touches the man and he touches the woman. And he raises up preachers of the word of God. And there they feed the little flock as sheep. And there they're rejoicing in Christ. No matter, no matter the trial. No matter what's going on. Diocletian had to... Monuments put up in the Roman Empire, one away at the east of the Roman Empire and one away at the west of the Roman Empire. This is what they said. One said, Diocletian, Jovian, Maximan, Herculius, Caesareus Augusti. That's his name. I'd give up after trying to write his name. For having extended the Roman Empire in the east and the west, and for extinguished, having extinguished the name of Christians who brought the republic to ruin. He writes on the second one, Diocletian, Jovian, Maximian, Herculius, Caesarius Augusti. He writes his name. For having everywhere abolished the superstition of Christ, for having extended the worship of gods, plural, at the other end, of the Roman Empire. Something to tell Diocletian. Those monuments are no longer. Something to tell Diocletian. He has died and he's went to his own place. Something to tell Diocletian. 
Many may have been martyred for their faith, but with something to tell Diocletian, the church is still doing well, for Christ is alive. Christ is still on the throne. Yes, brothers and sisters, in verse 6 to 11, we have read of the glorious rule of Christ, the rod of iron on which he will return. Revelation 11 and verse 15 says, For the kingdoms of our Lord have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So Psalm 2 and 12, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. This is a call and an exhortation to kings and princes and royals and rulers, to presidents and prime ministers and politicians to come and kiss the sun, meaning to yield themselves to Christ who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. See this term, when his wrath is kindled but a little. It gives the idea of a realizing of an impending building wrath. I want to say it again. What the psalmist is saying is the wrath of God is building. It's getting stronger. You know one of the ideas of, of this, of... Uh, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way for his wrath is kindled but a little. It gives the idea of the nostrils are starting to flare. You know if someone and you're speaking to them and you've said something you know you've offended them and you're going oh dear and then they get angry at you and the the nostrils start start to flare and they're trying to hold it back. It's the idea of this. His wrath is kindled but a little. He's saying his nostrils are flaring. See, I did this. God's ready to pour out his wrath upon this world and upon our nation and upon the Christ rejecter. His nostrils are flaring. And what must you do? Kiss the sun. Lest they be angry. Kiss the sun as you perish from the way. Listen to Matthew Henry. This is... A bit of a long read, so bear with me. Matthew Henry, the prince of the commentators, he says, The certain ruin we run upon if we refuse and reject Christ. Kiss the sun, for it is at your peril. If you do not, it will be a great provocation unto him. Do it, lest he be angry. The father is angry already. The Son is the mediator that undertakes to make peace. If we slight him, the Father's wrath is upon us. And not only so, but there is an addition of the Son's wrath too. If the Son be angry, who shall intercede for us? Think about this. If the Son is angry, then he says, who's left for us? There remains no more sacrifice. No other name by which we can be saved. Unbelief is a sin against the remedy. What? Unbelief is a sin against the remedy which is Christ. Can I read that? 
Wow. Matthew Henry, you've hit the nail on the head. I said again, unbelief is a sin against the remedy. The remedy is the blood of Christ. The remedy is the cross work of Christ. The remedy is the crucifixion of Christ and all that he accomplished there. The remedy is that you can be saved and, and man and woman will not kiss the son as it were. They will not come unto him. And so when you refuse the remedy, your unbelief is, is a sin against that remedy. In Psalm, pardon me, Proverbs 14, verses 12, and in Proverbs 16 and verse 25, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end are offer the ways of death. People think they're doing the right thing and they're missing out altogether on who Christ is. They think their way is right because they go to church or to chapel or to whatever they, they think because of denomination or, or whatever their label may be. They, they think that, that there's a way that seems right to them, but the end thereof is the ways of, are the ways of death. Kiss the sun. They have to be angry and you perish from the way. Two quick points and I'm finished with this. Kiss the sun now. Mind what you do. That's what I wrote. Kiss the sun. Now mind what you do. Mind how you kiss him. Eternity, your eternity will be sealed, maybe sealed with a kiss. Kiss the sun, but mind what you do and how you kiss him. Remember Judas Iscariot? Luke 22, Judas Iscariot who betrayed Christ and he betrayed him and brought the soldiers to him to, to lay hold on him in Gethsemane. Remember Judas Iscariot who says, the one whom I kiss, that's the one you arrest. See, it was dark and they had just torches, the, uh, the flames of fire to light the way. He says, so I'll know him, I'll kiss him and you arrest him. Rotten Judas. Says he came and he kissed Christ on the cheek, kissed the son. Judas Iscariot kissed the son and he kissed him on the cheek. Mind what you do and mind how you kiss him. Because rejecting him is like kissing him on the cheek. And Judas Iscariot was so near yet so far in saying that he kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. Kiss him on the way out the door. You know, hey, preacher, I, I enjoyed that tonight. Well, what about Christ? Oh, forget about it. Another time, you've kissed the sun in the cheek. Oh, uh, uh, on the way out there. Yes, pastor, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. Listen, what about the sun? Oh, yes, yes, that's good. You see, you've kissed him on the cheek as Judas. Mind, we don't go out in the last, into the dark. Lost forever. In Luke 7, 
There was a sinner woman come to Jesus in the house of Simon the Pharisee. He was having supper, dinner with him. We're told this woman comes in Luke chapter 7. And in verse 30 it says, She began to wash Christ's feet with her hair, feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Notice she's weeping with tears. She's a sinner. Even the old Pharisee, you know, the old Jewish Pharisees, like the, the, the good living for the living, the man who is full of do's, do's, do's and hates everybody else because there's no spirit in him or truth. And in that chapter, he says, as this woman of ill repute comes in to the feet of Christ, if he knew what manner of woman she was, if he was really a prophet, he would know her. She's a rotten sinner. Well, you know what? If that was said of that woman, he could have said it about me. He could have said it of every one of us. She washes the feet of Christ with her tears and she dries them with her hair. A woman's hair is given for her glory. She was given her glory to Christ. Now notice it says she kissed his feet. It doesn't mean she just went kiss, kiss on each foot. Well, how do you know? Well, simple. The Lord Jesus says to Simon the the Pharisee in Luke 7 of 45, Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time that I came in, hath not ceased, listen, to kiss, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Just kissing him. Just kissing him. You know, see, whenever you realize that Christ is your savior and you're in a deep dyed sin, you realize he is the remedy and his blood paid for your debt. Oh, you want to kiss his feet. You want to kiss him and kiss him and kiss him. You want to kiss the son and kiss him and kiss him. You want to weep over him. Weep tears of joy and tears of repentance and tears of sadness. You want to weep tears that will take you to heaven, brothers and sisters. You want to weep and you want to weep and weep at his feet and kiss him and kiss him and kiss him. Non-ceasing. Have you stopped kissing Christ? That's what's wrong. We've stopped kissing him. We have stopped being in awe. We've lost the awe. The awe of Christ. We have lost the thrill of Christ. The wonder of Christ. The beauty of Christ. We have lost the splendor of Christ. We have lost. We've stopped kissing him. This woman hasn't ceased kissing my feet. He says to the religious bigot. Oh, I know. When I got saved. Oh. I got saved. I'll never forget it. The day came into my life. Finish with this. Thank you. 
for your attention. He says in verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. Notice her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Do you know what Jesus is saying? See this woman? Yeah, I know who she is. And I know she's a woman of ill repute. I know you just look at her as an unclean, filthy woman in a heart. I know what you all think of her. But she has come in and done more for me than you have in your religion. You know why she's crying over my feet and drying them with the hairs of her head? And why she hasn't ceased to kiss my feet? Do you know why, Simon the Pharisee? Do you know why, brothers and sisters? Because she realized she had much to be forgiven of. And he says, because she's been forgiven much, she loves me much. Do you know why I love the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I was forgiven much. I was forgiven much. And maybe sometimes we forget exactly where we were drawn from. Or maybe you were saved as a child. Maybe you forget what you were kept from. You don't realize. Nevertheless, we all needed saved. And maybe we've forgot and we've stopped loving him like we did at the start. Because maybe we don't realize, well, my life is clean. Is that right? There's not one clean mind in this house. Huh. Amen. Not one. Oh, I know, you'll hear ministers and you think that they go along on an escalator, wouldn't you? They'll float. Going this way. There's nobody like me. I'm holy. You are all down there. Listen, you're looking at the chiefest of sinners. But Christ has cleansed me and forgiven me on you. There's not one of us could stand in his glory. That's why I wrote this. I wrote this about this verse. If you don't understand the vast expense and enormity of what it took for God to forgive you and what you've been forgiven of, then you may not have awakened, have the awakened gratitude to love Christ much. And the need to stare at his feet and worship and to kiss his feet repeatedly. If you've been forgiven much, you will love much. And little, then you will love little. Maybe. Maybe we don't realize just what he's forgiven us of. And maybe we've forgotten. The house of Israel in the north I talked about this morning, they put up bull calves and it says they kissed the bulls of Bashan and Bethel. They went to these bulls, calf idols, and they kissed them, bowing down at them. God was sickened by it. And Elijah the prophet to the northern kingdom, you know what he says? After seeing the fire of God come down on the altar and consuming the sacrifices, he's weakened He's weary and he's wondering, Lord, where are you? And and the Lord says, I have 7,000 reserved unto me that have not kissed the image of Baal. 
Brothers and sisters, I don't care who's kissing the bull calves of this world. I don't care who's kissing the image of Baal. I don't care who says they're going to kiss the, the governments so they make it payouts or whatever they're doing. I don't care who's doing what. I'm not kissing the bull calf. I want to stay reserved in God that I haven't kissed the image of Baal, but kiss the son instead. God bless us tonight. Are you saved? Are you saved? Kiss the son. Lest he be angry and you perish from the way. The end of the verse says, Blessed are they that put their trust in him. Team, would you come up please? Thank you for your attention this evening. The Lord bless you.